0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord to which I direct your attention for instruction and encouragement in faith this morning is that which served as our second lesson, taken from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. And I'll read again for you verses 15 and 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars among them as you hold firmly to the word of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is our hope and our peace and our joy, my dear friends, British author Charles Dickens, who wrote the book Tale of Two Cities and the famous Christmas show that we watch every year, A Christmas Story, had a comment that he made about Americans. And it was connected to our Thanksgiving Day holiday. He said, Americans seem to have things somewhat backwards. Instead of having one day of Thanksgiving and 364 days for grumbling and complaining, they should turn that around and have 364 days of Thanksgiving and one day for griping and complaining. Sounds wise, doesn't it? But he has a point. If you were to take a tally in your life, or even in a day, right, of... The number of complaints versus the number of times you gave thanks, how would they stack up? Do you think your complaints would be half the number of your thanksgivings? Would they be equal? Or would your complaints far outnumber the times that you gave thanks? I'll let you be the judge of your own. But one thing that I think we can all agree on is that if we are counting our troubles, it's difficult to be thankful, right? On the other hand, if you're counting your blessings, it's difficult to complain. And so there's a connection between the two. It depends on your focus in life. Am I focusing on what I don't have or am I focusing on what I do have? And so as we get into and continue with the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Christians in the ancient city of Philippi, and we're following along with the context that he began in the first part of chapter 2. There he stated very clearly that we are to imitate the humility of Jesus Christ. It reminds us that in humility, Jesus Christ came and he gave us what we did not deserve to have, He laid down his life for us and took it back again so that we could have life with him. And so it's on that basis then that the Apostle Paul went forward and he tells us this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So Paul is saying, you have been given a precious gift. The gift of eternal life, forgiveness, and peace. And so he says, now work out your salvation. And I'm going to try to illustrate for you what he really means by that. And I'm going to start out by showing you some kids playing a game. Maybe you've played the spoon game. And here the kids have an egg on the end of their spoon, and the object is for them to run as quickly as they can toward the finish line, carrying that egg without dropping it. And the first one to the finish line gets a prize. If you drop the egg, you get disqualified. And that's a picture of what our God has given to us and expects of us. You see, the egg is what Jesus, Jesus has won for us. It is eternal life, forgiveness, and peace with God. The spoon? Well, that's the gift of faith that the Holy Spirit has given us that carries forgiveness and eternal life. And so when he says, work out your salvation, he literally means, carry it to its goal. Carry it to the finish line, and that finish line is either the end of your life on this earth or Jesus returning again. Carry it and don't drop it. Because what happens if you drop the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? You get disqualified, and you lose something much more valuable than a party favor. You lose your peace with God. You lose your place in heaven. And it's for that reason, then, that the Apostle Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. These children, look at her, she's wincing, right? Be really careful, don't drop this. And so in the same way, we are extremely careful with the treasure that Jesus has given us because it's far too valuable to lose and to drop. No, I'm not very good at this game because I don't have a steady hand. I shake, and whatever I'm carrying on the end of the spoon gets dropped. When it comes to ourselves spiritually, when it comes to me spiritually, I don't have a steady hand either. You see, I don't always like to read my Bible. I don't always want to pray. There are some days I don't want to come to church. Then you've got Satan in the world, they're running next to us, and they like to play dirty. They want to hip-check and bump us so that we drop the treasure that the Lord has given us to carry and to hold. Have you experienced that too? We aren't steady enough to carry our salvation to its completion. But yet, we have no reason to be afraid. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The Lord our God, through the power of the word that's at work in you today, and through the gospel that you receive in the Lord's Supper, steadies your hand and he steadies my hand so that we are able to run to that end of the finish line that the Lord has marked out for us and hold on to the gift of God of eternal life that Jesus has won. And isn't that wonderful to know? We're able to go through this life knowing that we have God's assistance. and He's going to be with us all the way. But as we know, the devil and the world, they're going to try to hip-check us. They're going to try to bring misery misery and trouble into our lives so that we are tempted to put down what God has given us to carry, that great treasure. And so for that reason, the Apostle Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. When you're counting your blessings, you find reason to give thanks. When you look at your troubles, you find reason to grumble. Let's talk about our troubles. Do we have good reason to complain in this life? I mean don't we have reason to complain if our sister says we have a fat head? My kids, is that a reason to complain? Don't we have a reason to complain if somebody backs into our car in the parking lot and drives away without leaving a note with their contact or insurance information? Don't we have reason to grumble if our doctor can't figure out why we are having fainting spells? Aren't we getting the short end of the stick? Well, let's take a moment to compare what it is that we deserve and what it is that we actually have. We'll look at some verses that are very clear to you and me. There is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. That's you, this me. We're guilty. And then it goes on in in Psalm 89, verse 48, who can live and not see death, or who can escape the power of the grave? So what does this lead to? This. And why this? Why the grave? Because you earned it, and I earned it. It's what we deserve. It's what we have coming. So anything less than that is better than we have coming, right? It's better than you deserve. It's better than I deserve. And is that not why Paul says, do everything without complaining, without grumbling or arguing? Doing everything without grumbling or arguing means do no grumbling. There's no reason for it ever. But then think about what it is that we have from God. When all that we deserve is darkness and to be banished from Him forever. When you woke up this morning, guess what? You woke up to sun shining, not darkness. You woke up and you had breakfast, good food, clean water to drink. You had an air-conditioned home in which to live. You had family and friends around you. Wow. All better than you deserve. And then on top of all of that, the banishment that we've earned from God, the banishment to eternal darkness, God did not lay that on you or me. He laid it on his own son, Jesus, when he was on the cross. And he took it away. That's the reminder you're going to receive, many of you, shortly when you receive the Lord's body and blood. God banished him instead of you so that you can be with him and he with you forever. Is there anything less than we deserve in that? It's all better than you deserve, all better than I deserve. And when you're looking at your life from that perspective, it starves the complaining and it feeds the thanksgiving, doesn't it? it? Feeds the joy. Now think of it when people are grumbling, how many people grumble with a smile? Life stinks. Never happens. But you give thanks with a smile, right? And so the Apostle Paul speaks of us now living in this world full of grumblers and complainers, right? And he reminds us that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us, right? So you may be going through some suffering, some, some pain, but it's short-lived, it's temporary. What's in heaven is forever. No reason to complain, we get to smile. But notice then he says, do it without grumbling or complaining so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. We live in a world dominated by the mindset of unbelief. And the mindset of unbelief is one that says you're entitled to good things. And if you buy into that lie, you're going to be whining and grumbling and complaining whenever you feel you're not getting what you deserve. And so we live in a warped and crooked generation that is entitled, right? And that mindset is increasing in our society, an entitlement mentality. Huh? It's all around us. And therefore, people complain and they bicker and argue. When's the last time you heard an argument over someone getting better than they deserved? See, people argue when they feel they're getting shortchanged, right? They argue for their own selfish advantage. When's the last time you argued in behalf of someone else's interest? Rarely happens. As we live in the midst of that in our world, and with all these frowns, with all this bickering, and with all this howling going on, you and I suddenly begin to stand out like stars, Paul says, shining in the darkness. So amidst all of those frowns, there's your smile. And it's conspicuous. Imagine going through what Job did in our first lesson. One of the wealthiest, wealthiest men alive, and he lost everything. And yet he says, praised be the name of the Lord. That's going to get some attention, right? And so you will attract attention as you are smiling and giving thanks even in the midst of your losses in this life as you count the blessings that God has given to you as you feed your joy. Paul speaks of it as holding on to and holding out the word of life. And that's exactly what Paul was doing as he... Carried out his ministry. He says, You will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Remember where Paul was when he wrote these words. He was in prison. And yet he saw that the word that he proclaimed, the word that he was in prison for proclaiming, was bearing fruit in the hearts of his fellow Christians. He was delighted to see that. And so he said, I can be certain and happy that my work was not in vain, that Jesus Christ was glorified. He took joy in that. And therefore, the two of them, those two groups, could rejoice together. And so what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Here, as we work together in this congregation, um, there have been some setbacks, right? Our building project right out here is not as far along as we would like it to be right now. But do we deserve it to be finished? No. No. We don't deserve a place to gather in order to have fellow Christians encourage us. We deserve none of that. But here we are this morning with open worship space, a parking lot where we could park, with lights on and air conditioning, hearing and growing in the Word of God. So much better than we deserve. And God will allow our building project to be completed according to his timetable so that we are able to not just hold on to the word of life, but even hold it out to even more people, right? What joy. What a blessing from our God. Are we surrounded with perfect Christians to work with? Perfect brothers and sisters in Christ? You might want to complain about that, but when you stop and think, I don't deserve any brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't deserve anyone around me to encourage me. And yet, even though we are imperfect sinners, God has still blessed us through each other as sinners, hasn't he? As sinner saints. As we've gathered here this morning, we have been surrounded by gifted people. Musicians who can play the organ, who can sing out. We're blessed by those who can teach, those who are generous and can give. We're blessed by those who are encouragers, who can spot someone who's down and put their arm around them and speak a word of encouragement from the scriptures that builds up. We're blessed with pastors and teachers who hold firmly to the word of truth. Oh, how good and awesome is our God. And we get to see on top of that, uh, that word of life that we hold on to and hold out bearing fruit in the lives of others. How good is our God? What wonderful reasons you have to rejoice and I have to rejoice. And so how do we starve our grumbling and complaining? Well, by remembering what we deserve, right? How do we feed our joy? By remembering what we have. Charles Dickens had a scriptural point, didn't he? We have much more reason to give thanks than to complain. In fact, we have no reason to complain ever. And so, for you and for me, that means that we get to go forth today under the blessings of our God, recognizing that we deserve no good thing, yet we have everything. You have food and clothing, house and home. We live in a nation that is rivaled by none when it comes to religious freedom. We live in a nation that is rivaled by none when it comes to material wealth. We are overflowing with blessings. And on top of it all is that blessing of knowing you have a home waiting for you by Jesus' side. And no one can take that away from you. It's safe and secure with him. And so as you go forth today, go forth counting your blessings, go forth rejoicing, and go forth shining like stars as you hold out the word of life. Amen.